Are we on the road toward legalizing polygamy in the state of Virginia? And what's going on with the legalization of recreational marijuana? Today, we're here with the latest updates on what happened in the 2021 General Assembly and how it affects your faith and your family. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, and I'm joined today by our Director of Government Relations, Dr. Todd Gacky. Well, Todd, I'm excited that this is your first time on the show, and I'd love for our listeners to hear a little bit more about you. And as I mentioned in the opening, you serve as our Director of Government Relations, and you've been here for about three years now, right? Yeah, that's right. It, uh, it's great to be with you, Candy. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, for uh, prior to joining the Family Foundation, I had spent some time in state government. Uh, I was at Department of Education managing the Education Improvement Scholarship Tax Credit Program, a great program for low-income families to help find a private school for their children. Uh, I've spent some time at the tax department as well as the Attorney General's office under Bob McDonald. You did have a wonderful job in the government, lots of job security, and you have a doctorate in public policy. So what made you decide to leave all that behind and come join us at the Family Foundation? Yeah, that is, uh, that's a good question. You know, I've developed an interest in pro-family, pro-life issues uh, through college and graduate school. You know, I didn't back down from debates, uh, but I think my convictions have always been in sort of the cultural issues, issues that impact families. And, you know, another thing I'd also say, you know, I had become comfortable, you know, great family, as you mentioned, great work, hobbies. You know, there's nothing wrong with having a sense of security, but you know, God often asks us to step out of what's comfortable and into some challenging moments. And that's what I did. And, you know, I, I teach my kids above all things to be obedient to God. And that's what I wanted to do as well. Your team's been doing, I, I just have to say, an outstanding job on the front lines during the 2021 General Assembly. So I just want to get a report from you today. What have our lawmakers been up to and what do we need to be concerned about and praying about here? Uh, a lot. Uh, I think we should just start off with marriage because that is a huge one this year. Our uh, liberal legislators have really gone out of their way to basically um, render man-woman marriage meaningless and really make a mockery out of that sacred bond. Uh, This year, they passed legislation to remove the existing language in our state constitution that was put there in 2006, protecting traditional marriage. Um, But that's not all. They also proposed new language that would legally recognize all so-called marriages, regardless of the sex or gender of the parties to the marriage. So if you heard me say parties, plural, you're correct. There were several versions debated. One of them was very similar, but a reference to parties. So uh, the committees knowingly chose the version that omitted that number two. So make no mistake, the patrons, committee members, and staff knew what the implications would be with this. Okay, so help us just boil that down here. So when they decided to go with parties without any numbers uh, specified, help us understand the danger of that language. How does that put us on a slippery slope? The actual language, it says that state and local governments shall issue marriage licenses, recognize marriages, and treat all marriages equally, regardless of the sex, gender, of the parties to the marriage. So that means that Virginia would have to recognize marriages from other states. And recently we learned from California, three men in what's a so-called thruple who have two children through a surrogate mothers were actually um, given or or added to the child's birth certificates. So I'm not certain if they were actually married or not, but what that means is Virginia would be open for these kinds of marriages if this constitutional language is added. 
Well, why are Virginia lawmakers, they seem so bent on destroying the definition of marriage. What are they trying to gain with this? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, the 2015 Obergefell decision was decided five to four, uh, which many consider a, a misguided opinion and that one one that could be overturned. The Supreme Court decision. The Supreme Court decision. So with the addition of just Justice Amy Barrett, the composition of the Supreme Court has changed, which means that that could be overturned. So in order to prevent or in, in order to repeal and replace the current constitutional language, it's it's sort of intended to enshrine same-sex and other marriages into the state constitution if Obergefell, the Supreme Court decision, were to be overturned. It's a lot like what they're trying to do with Roe v. Wade. Like, if, if that gets overturned, they want to keep Virginia on that road. Same thing with this marriage. Yeah. They want to keep Virginia on the road towards same-sex marriage and all kinds of other things Absolutely. that really make it meaningless. It's a safeguard for their ideology. Well, as, as disturbing as that all is, there is some good news, and that is that we still have several chances to block this along the way, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we can still we still have a chance to defeat it. First, the, the same bill has to be approved again in 2022 before it goes to the people for a vote. So keep in mind that the entire House of Delegates will be up for election this fall. Uh, so any legislators that respect biblical marriage and the current constitutional language, if they're elected... They could help defeat this bill in the House. And then, of course, it, it'll go to the to Virginians and let them decide if this goes way too far. The, amending the Constitution, and rightfully so, is supposed to be a long process to make sure that you get it right because this is a, this is a serious change to Virginia policy and, and fundamental and constitutional rights here in Virginia. Okay. So with this particular issue, the marriage issue, the governor isn't involved at all in this part of the process, but I understand there are some other really important measures where the governor's signature is required. So tell us about some of those. Yeah, so I know I know abortion is really important to a lot of the listeners. Um, so let me give you an update on that one. Uh, it, was, it wasn't actually just a year ago that the radical pro-abortion majority in the General Assembly, they repealed over 40 years of protections for the unborn and their mothers. Uh, and this year, pro-abortion legislators passed legislation that now allows coverage of abortion on demand in Virginia's Obamacare or their health exchange. And since those state funds are used for managing the exchange and subsidizing some health plans, uh, taxpayers would essentially be helping fund more abortions. Thanks for tuning in. If you're just now joining us for Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. For more information about us or the topics we're addressing, you can visit familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. So let's just jump ahead to the next big thing that's really concerning to families, and that's the legalization of recreational marijuana. Where has that finally landed at this point, anyway? Yeah, well, there's uh, there's bad news, and then there's not so bad news, I guess, if you, however you <laughs> want to describe it. Uh, the bad news is that the legislation did pass. It came out of a what's called a conference committee, where both chambers get together and they hash out some differences. Um, and so what they came up with is that simple possession, which means up to one ounce would be um, legalized, and then as well as the commercialization, which is the licensing, the cultivation, home growing, um, all of that, um, all of it would become effective January 1, 2024. So that's actually the not so bad news, which is that you have legalization sort of being delayed until 2024. Okay, so just to kind of summarize that into simple language, um, so they're going to go ahead and take a further step toward decriminalizing right now. 
But full-fledged legalization of recreational marijuana is not going to go into effect until 2024. So there are some things that could happen before then, and one of them is there's a chance communities could opt out of having to legalize it, right? That's correct, yeah. And, and the current posture that they're in, the bills include an option for localities to opt out of the commercialization of marijuana component or provision, meaning the retail sales of, of marijuana. Um, through a referendum that has to be held no later than December 1 of 2022. So is that something people should be thinking about? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we're hoping that the, this will come before the governor. So we're hoping that this provision will stay in the final version that is, that is enacted into law. Okay. And then there's this reenactment clause. Yeah. The reenactment clause requires the commercialization component of the bill to come back and be approved again by the General Assembly in 2022. So it's a really complicated bill. You have different moving pieces. You have the simple simple uh, possession component. You have the commercialization, which is the regulation, the sales, all of that. And then you have some um, criminal justice components of the bill as well. So it's very complicated, but the commercialization component would have to be approved again in 2022. Okay, so that means, again, it gets back to this election could be really important, right? Because Yes. Okay. Uh, as it relates to the, you know, the when they go to reevaluate the commercialization and, and the sale of marijuana and the home growing and cultivation and all of those various components of this, of the bill. Well, real quick, I just want to touch on another kind of surprise issue that turned out to actually be a pretty invasive reach into our personal homes. Talk, can you tell us about what you've been calling the nanny bills? Yeah, dangerous bills. They apply the same uh, requirements that you would expect for businesses with 10 or 15 employees under the Human Rights Act to private homes, um, to parents who hire a babysitter to take care of their children while they're not there. If they want to um, have a Christian caretaker for their children, a nanny, while they're you know not around, or maybe if they want to hire a nurse or an in-home uh, companion for their, uh, for their mother or grandmother, if they want to hire a female to do that instead of a man, they could be at risk of being sued for discrimination. And it also allows the government, the health department, to be able to come in and conduct inspections if there are any types of complaints. Wow, that is serious invasion. And that's on the governor's desk. That is right. Well, Todd, I know people are going to be super concerned about what they're hearing you say about what's on the governor's desk. What can they do if they just want to express their thoughts on this to the governor or make their voice heard to the governor? Yeah, the easiest thing they can do is go to the Family Foundation website, look for the banner that tells them to tell Governor Northam to veto these bad bills. Yeah, look for that at familyfoundation.org. But we do have some praise reports with the failure of these efforts to attack religious freedoms of Christian adoption agencies. Yeah, maybe the biggest victory of the session, which was the defeat of a bill that yeah would have repealed these religious conscience protections for faith-based agencies. Uh, all indications were is going to pass with a compromise, um, but I think legislators really came to their senses about how important, how valuable these agencies are to the foster care and adoption system. Uh, mm -hmm. What about the school choice issue? We were expecting attacks on that as well, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we were really expecting for them to try and repeal it like they did, attempted last year. Uh, this is the, the scholarship tax credit program that helps more than 4,500 children and families uh, to be able to send them to a private school to get the education needs, um, uh, to the education that they need. So this that bill was never introduced, so that is a huge victory. 
That is awesome. I think with all the controversy going on with public schools and people not having enough options, they really couldn't get away with taking another one um, out. But I'm just glad that we're taking the time to thank God for the way he protected us in these areas and the way the voices of Christians had a redemptive impact in these specific measures. And I just want to remind everyone, it is so important to make your voice heard, to speak up. And these are examples why. Um, so an easy way for you to join the movement to make your voice heard is you can go to familyfoundation.org slash speakupvirginia. That's familyfoundation.org slash speakupvirginia. Well, it's that time again, time for our Inconceivable Moments Award, where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable! Well, I just can't even keep up anymore with the cancel culture. In just the last few weeks, we've gone from Dr. Seuss to the Looney Tunes. I've now heard that Pepe Le Pew... That Looney Tune skunk is on the chopping block now. Apparently, he didn't have politically correct behavior toward his cartoon love interests. All right, Sherry. The courtship is over. And then there was Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head, because apparently a descriptor like Mr. is just too offensive now. I don't know where this is going to stop. I guess uh, Potato Head was actually ahead of the curve, because now it looks like there are, in California, lawmakers who don't want to stop with just one toy. They want to put this so-called gender-neutral requirement on big stores like Walmart and Target uh, that have large toy sections. I, I guess it's going to be that soon we won't be able to watch animated movies like Toy Story because they have Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head in it. Well, I definitely think this week's Inconceivable has to go to those California legislators for actually trying to impose fines on stores that don't take down gender-specific labels for their toy areas. What do you think is really behind this whole push to just remove any reference to gender, even things like Mr. and Mrs. from the public square. Yeah, you know, the Bible talks about God creating us in his image, you know, Genesis, male and female. And Jesus also reaffirmed that in the Gospel of Matthew. And what we're seeing is the spiritual equivalent of man trying to recreate himself in his own image. It's a rejection of what God created and said is good. It's really scary because if people cut out any reference to male and female, moms and dads, it opens culture up to things like the thruple we were talking about earlier. Exactly. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together. <laughs>